Welcome to Next in Nonprofits. I'm Steve Boland, and I am very pleased to be joined today by Michael Rasco, the owner of Rasco Digital Marketing. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Steve. I uh, saw a blog post of yours that we're going to have linked in the show notes here. Uh, I'm talking a little bit about some changes in the Google Grants program, and I really want to talk a lot about um, advertising with Google through their nonprofit grants. But before we dive into all of the specifics of that, can you just tell people a little bit about uh, what is Rasco Digital Marketing? Yeah, so Rasco Digital Marketing uh, is a digital marketing agency for exclusively for nonprofits. And... What we do is we help nonprofits with their Google Grants accounts because as many uh, who have worked on this often know, um, Google Grants is fairly specialized. Um, a lot of uh, general PPCs who handle uh, paid, paid accounts don't know all the inner workings of the Google Grants compliance rules. So that's where we come in. We work exclusively with the Google Grants version of AdWords. So many folks that have listened to this podcast may be using G Suite applications in their nonprofit business because that's another thing that Google gives away for charities. So things like their Gmail accounts and calendar and all those things that are part of G Suite. Uh, but I was surprised when I, I talked with you a little bit ahead of this recording when we talked about uh, how many nonprofit organizations are then moving to the next step of um, applying for and successfully starting to use uh, their uh, AdWords, or probably no longer AdWords, I keep tripping on that, the ads account from Google. Uh, so could you just kind of background that a little bit? What is Google giving away here, and, and how does a charity apply for it? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So the latest numbers I've seen is that there's 35,000 uh, currently enrolled in AdWords. And I, I call it AdWords, too. It's sort of <laughs> like, uh, you know, when they change the name of an arena, and yeah. you call it the old thing for three years until everyone's up up to speed because you know i know i know from the google team that they want to change the name but uh if i change how i say it too quick people won't know what i'm talking about <laughs> and so i i still call it adwords at least for a little while longer um but what what it really is is it's thirty five thousand nonprofits enrolled there's quite a few more um, enrolled in the G Suite. And I, I just know this from talking to nonprofits. I don't have exact numbers on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it's from talking to enough nonprofits, it's fairly clear that getting Google for nonprofits is primarily used to get G Suite for free. And to me, that's kind of a shame because uh, the AdWords is overlooked. and it makes sense to want G Suite for free because email is something um, people are more comfortable with. Everyone knows they need to get it from somewhere. And the, um, the Google Grants, the AdWords, is sort of an additional thing that they, they have to learn that to what it is to implement. And when you think of it that way, it makes sense. However, Google Grants is far better of a benefit simply in dollar amount um, because last I checked, a G Suite account through a business costs $5 per user, whereas this is $329 in your account every day to use on search ads. 
So $10,000 a month is how they value the contribution. And so $329 a day, roughly uh, kind of breakdown is a little bit of an overwhelming figure uh, for a, a lot of nonprofits, but it needs to be used within this Google ad network. You know, it's not like they're going to write you a check. They're giving you that much value that if you weren't a charity and you wanted to use these services, you'd have to go out and pay for. Um, so now I think the question becomes how many charities are out there that are working with that would like to be founded by people that are searching for things, right? <laughs> it's probably more than 35,000 of them. Absolutely. Uh, I'd say all of them. <laughs> right. But not everybody is yet thinking about the idea of what, what amounts to paid search. I mean, again, you don't write a check out of your bank account to Google for this, but you're getting access to what is essentially a, a paid version of this. Many of the charities that I work with think a lot to themselves about being found on the web, but they think about organic search versus this paid search thing. Um, and do you have thoughts on how you talk to people about the value of paying for search versus uh, just trying to optimize to be, you know, a, an, an organically high listing? There's a, there's a few questions in there. Uh, the first is, um, you know, thinking about what, what this is, what, what the value is and really what this is, is all it does is send um, users from the Google search engine to your website. And thinking of how to value it, uh, as you said, it can only be used in this platform. And to a lot of people, that might seem limiting. However, this platform is the most frequently used form of advertising in the world. Um, it's Google AdWords and you know some of this is display ads some of this is different types of ads but all told it's responsible for uh, three-fourths of Google's revenue and when you look at Google or what's now called Alphabet the parent company it's the second largest company in the world so this is uh, money that can only be used in a certain way but it's being used in a way that is super common and super valuable to other people because other people are paying for that same space. So if you don't um, place your ads there, someone else will. And that's also part of how it's valued because uh, I've talked to people who have some uncertainty about uh, whether this money is really worth it whether it's uh, accurately calculated and whether it's worth it depends on what you do with that traffic. But whether it's ac accurately calculated, I can tell you it absolutely is because it's based on this free market bidding system of all these people trying to show advertisements in the search engine. Uh, and if you don't buy that space, someone else will for roughly the same price. And this is an example from for-profits, but it's an example I always use because it's, it's an astoundingly high number is uh, Mesothelioma Lawyer Chicago, last I checked, that a click on that search sells for 1,300 some dollars. And the reason for that is because these settlements pay out a lot of money. So getting a lead for someone who likely has a legitimate claim is very much worth that price uh, for a law firm when they're competing in this free market amongst other law firms in Chicago who, who offer that same service. So that's, that's really, um, you know, 
when I say in-kind donation, that's, that's literally what it is. However, I've never seen any in-kind donation so accurately calculated because, yeah. uh, you know, if I give away a t-shirt to Goodwill, um, and I write down the receipt, the value of that T-shirt. I don't really know. Like, yeah. like I'm, I'm making somewhat of a guess. Maybe it's worth, you know, far less because no one wants it. Maybe it's worth far more because someone out there thinks it's vintage. But I'm making a best guess. Whereas this is part of a free market. Um, and then your other question was, how do I? Uh, make it resonate with nonprofits, the value of this? Was that sort of what you were asking? Sure. I mean, let's talk about that. And then I do want to jump into the challenges about enrolling, but, but let's uh, help them understand why is this important, right? As opposed to organic, for example, where a lot of people are like, well, if somebody searches for my name, my city, they find me. So, you know, no problem, right? Yeah, because um, people don't always know your name. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, you might, you might show top result for your name, your city, but if it's a service you do that um, many others do, and you're, you're a nonprofit, you might be smaller, you may not have a team of SEO people working on link building, doing everything, you know, technically above board, putting all these hours into it, because that's what often gets overlooked is, SEO requires hours to do it right. And um, you can much, and, and you should still do SEO, right? Because right. SEO- just to, just to jump in for some members of the audience, SEO in this case, search engine optimization, but okay, go ahead. Yeah, so, so that's, yeah, search engine optimization, it's, it's the discipline you do to show in the organic results. And I'm still an advocate for that. And what this does is, it amplifies that good work you're already doing. So you do, you do um, good work based on your keyword to try to show organically. But there's a lot of other people doing the same things. You might only show 20th for that search term that's relevant to your organization. By having a good enough foundation to show 20th, um, you amplify that with Google Grants and you place your ad towards the top of the results. Right. And, and Google will help you out here with that idea of getting found by people that don't know they're looking for you yet. And I think that this is a really important part of what up until recently was called AdWords, uh, that um, the keyword planning tools are really important to not go in with necessarily your nonprofit um, lingo or your, your jargon in your head around what you do, but rather what are people searching for? that don't know they're looking for you specifically yet, but they are trying to understand a problem, fill a need, get a service, whatever it might be. And what words are they already searching for? And of course, Google knows that. It has the records of what people are already searching for. So you might want to listen to them. And the way to do that is through this product. They help you understand that. 100% Steve. And, and that's uh, one of one of the most important things to do is start with keywords. So um, you start with keyword research, you see what's searched frequently, you see um, how much it's bidding for, you see other competitors there, and then you build content based off that. And I see very frequently uh, nonprofits do big expensive web design 
and they're not particularly thoughtful of, of keyword research. And so one of my strongest recommendations of all the things I say is, is the beginning point is keyword research, and that's true for SEO and AdWords. And with AdWords, you have a great keyword research tool built in because it's from Google's system. So Google, get, they don't give you um, every single detail, but they give you a lot of information to help you make good advertising decisions. And that same information can be used for um, organic search decisions as well. And a, a good example of this is, you know, uh, I was working with a nonprofit, Native America Humane Society. I was looking up um, terms related to Native Americans. And one of the things I saw, because it also gives you um, similar terms, which can be really eye-opening is turquoise jewelry is searched an extreme amount of times in the United States, tens of thousands of times a month. And I was totally unaware of that because I'm not really in the market for jewelry, right? It's, it's just not something that particularly interests me. So it also helps you step out of your own, um, <laughs> this is an overused word. I'm hesitant to use it, but for lack of a better word, your bubble. Yeah. You know, the things the things you're exposed to, you think are fairly ordinary and common. But when you see the raw numbers of what humans are doing in aggregate, um, particularly in the United States, because most of my clients are United States, but you can also jump into other countries and see it. It can be very eye-opening and very helpful and you reaching people who um, would be interested in what you do, but may not know exactly who you are. Right. So that tool is built in there, but in order to understand keyword planning and all the rest of it that's going on, um, you need to get in the system. And and here's where I, I think the services that you're talking about can be particularly valuable because um, I've had this happen a few times with different clients that I've worked with where um, the first thing that uh, Google will say when, when you're applying for this is you need to apply uh, for the service with an email address that has never been associated to a paid advertising account. If you paid for advertising once, they can't give you the grant through that account for whatever bug is in their system. And that may seem counterintuitive to some of us, but it's just one of those little hurdles that as you're looking at how do I take advantage of this that you run into sometimes is that somebody paid to boost an event three years ago with a, um, an info at whatever um, email address and you can't figure out why in the world you can't get your registration to stick. And it, it's kind of opaque and a little challenging, I think. So can you just talk about walking somebody through the idea of how you go ahead and get access to this grant and some of the more common barriers that people may trip across before they're really able to fully take advantage of it? Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. That is, that is a common barrier to um, use a fresh email account. And that's, there's a, there's, when you're enrolled, they ask an annual survey and it's actually mandatory that you answer this annual survey and uh, I I help my clients uh, with that survey with delight because there are some things <laughs> I would like to see and one of the things I'd like to see is um, a more streamlined way to enroll at scale because 
as an agency helping nonprofits, I try to take as much off their hands as possible. And sometimes that can be difficult when you need a fresh email address and you're limited because email addresses are limited to your phone numbers and they don't want to give out um, an inordinate amount of email addresses because that means you're not paying for their um, Google suite if you're a business. And so that is a hurdle. And it's just one you have to build an organized plan for. Um, and if you do enroll, uh, you should make that same request I do uh, about streamlining the process to be able to do this at scale, to be able to do this with, um, with email accounts that have multiple ads associated with it. But in general, you know, tips on applying is uh, more than anything, if, if you take one thing away from this talk, do not enter your credit card information. Right. You will, <laughs> you will be sorry. Um, there's, there's mistakes you'll make um, as, as a first timer, but almost all mistakes can be fixed. You just, you just have to keep at it. Um, try again, maybe, maybe seek out help. But a mistake that cannot be fixed is entering credit card information, accidentally building a paid account, running ads, and then being billed for those. They actually say on the ad grants policy page, and you can find this um, on my website because I've got a page on how to apply, and I, I linked out to these pages is, we will not reimburse you. Do not put your credit card information. If you do accidentally, you can't get a reimbursement. So if you, if you remember one thing from this talk, remember that. Um, the other things are that it happens in stages. So you need to first get a TechSoup account, then get a Google for Nonprofits account, and then use your Google for Nonprofits account to apply for a Google Grants account. And the good news is, as you said, a lot of nonprofits use the G Suite. And if they're already using the G Suite, they're much of the way there. Um, and once, so you're, you're already starting from having Google for nonprofits, which, which is great because you, that cuts down your wait time, that cuts down your workload. And when you make that additional application, um, there is a guide, there is steps, uh, provided by Google, follow those as closely as possible. And, uh, and they're a little arcane, I mean, for the beginning, because they want you to uh, create um, a couple of different layers within the system and not activate it. And it looks like, well, I mean, it will eventually, the hope is, of course, after they've approved it, that those go live. But they want you to do a lot of work up front before the account goes live. And it feels a little backwards to some of us who are like, well, you get account authorization and then you start making ads. And they're like, no, you make ads that we will make sure fit our guidelines, and then we will decide you know, that we can authorize your account and start running them. But you have to kind of, and they have to do this in a couple of different layers, because you create campaigns and ads and whatnot, and I can't remember all the specifics. But, but you're right that following the directions very specifically, even though it looks like, well, wait a minute, I'm not alive yet. How can I be writing an ad? You still need to. Yeah, and, and I don't think they say this explicitly. This is me reading between the lines, but I think the reason they have you do that is to prove you understand the compliance rules okay. because um, these compliance rules, they are, uh, <laughs> they're, they're difficult to overcome sometimes. Um, you, you need to put in work to learn them, to understand them, to understand how AdWords works. And 
they want you to prove you know how AdWords works, that you read the compliance rules by creating a campaign that is fully compliant before you submit, because that saves them the work of having you enrolled and then you're pressing a bunch of buttons. You, you don't really, um, you haven't fully studied the tool. You're just um, learning as you go. You're just trying things out and you uh, violate their rules. So they say, before you can even begin with that, you need to prove you understand the rules. So important to do that. And in terms of really understanding the rules, here's where um, somebody like yourself can be a real advantage to an organization that um, if you have an on-site team that really wants to learn this stuff, there are resources, you can learn it, you can spend the time doing it and all the rest of it. If you want to kind of um, talk through what your goals are, what are you trying to accomplish? Uh, you know, how, and, and are you even measuring those conversions? Uh, all those things. Great. And then, you know, maybe let somebody else that, that does understand the, um, the fine points of each one of those steps kind of take over and get those things set up for you. And then you don't trip some of those things you were just accidentally missing. So I, I do want to kind of put the plug in there to um, talk to people like Michael about um, this and figure out, do you have the internal capacity to master this? Or is it really going to be a better use of your time to pay a little bit of Michael's time and not a whole lot of your own staff's time and still end up being maybe not successful. Yeah, I <laughs> thank you for uh, advocating for me, Steve. And I, mm -hmm. I would argue that that's that's one of the best um, reasons to reach out to me because I provide the first thirty days free, and in those thirty days, um, I help with applications. If you're not enrolled and if you've been suspended, I help with reactivation, and um, that's that can be very valuable. Um, given some of the difficulty of learning these compliance rules when you've got all these other things on your plate. And, you know, right. I, I, I could at times phrase things that may come off as, as arrogant uh, in my abilities, but really I'm empathetic to the fact that this isn't most in-house people's main task. Right. It's something they're that has been put on their plate. Whereas for me, this is, this is the main thing I do. So I, I know a lot about um, these compliance rules because I'm working with them constantly. And so for 30 days free, you can have me uh, help you with your application, help you with reactivation if you have an account that's been suspended. And if you don't wanna sign on as a client, the account's transferred back to you and you've got a compliant account with some good campaigns running. Yeah. So uh, those are the, the places to begin. I think there, there's, there's another layer of using this tool, though, that is sometimes um, kind of missed by a lot of charities, which is looking at um, what are you trying to get done here? Because the, there was a time 15 years ago when, when web metrics were thought of as how many people came to your page? You know, and if that was a big number, that was good. And if it was a small number, that was bad. Um, and I don't think that we're so simplistic anymore. I think now the question is, what are you trying to get people to do? It doesn't necessarily have to be go to your page, by the way. Maybe it is go to, you know, an Eventbrite listing for a thing that you're trying to get people to register for. Maybe it is you want them to go to a partner's web page because you're coordinating with somebody else around some program goals. 
but it's also very possible that you're trying to get people to uh, become volunteers or subscribers to a newsletter or something that isn't direct service. And those are different, again, types of keywords and goals. Setting up um, what you are trying to get people to do and then measuring it through this platform, uh, it's a powerful tool, but it's, again, not necessarily just as simple as just drive people here, right? I mean, it, it's more complicated than what are you trying to get them to do? Absolutely. And that's, that's you know, when, when I talk to um, a lot of nonprofits who already have this um, and they express that they're not interested in my service, one thing they'll often say is, oh, we already have it. And yes, it's something you have, but more importantly, it's something you use. It's not enough just to have it. It's something you need to use to accomplish the goals of your organization. And a lot of these nonprofits who know they haven't have it have not looked at a report in several months, sometimes years. And so they know that they have an account, but they don't know what it's doing for them. And uh, the second part of that is, is what, what can it do for you? Um, web traffic is great. It's always great. But taking it to the next tier of accomplishments, um, that's something that Google themselves is, is encouraging nonprofits to start doing more by right. uh, conversion tracking. And for years... Which, which is a very sales-oriented term. So before you move forward on, could you just explain conversion tracking? Yeah, so a, a conversion is marketing jargon for any desired action. Right. So most commonly, it's a sale. However, it can be anything that you want a person to do. So it could be signing up for a newsletter. It could be submitting a contact form. It could be um, pressing a click to call button. It could be even just staying on the website for a minute or more. Uh, all these things that are what we want people to do when they get to the website that goes beyond just getting to them, them to the website in the first place. And this is something Google themselves is strongly encouraging. And because they so strongly encourage it, they give grantees who have uh, correctly set up conversion tracking an additional benefit. And that additional benefit is being able to bid above $2. So when we talk about compliance rules, um, you know, a lot of people have complaints. There's a lot of frustration. However, what's too frequently overlooked is this incredible advantage that has arrived in 2018. And it's only one rule. It's only like, you know, <laughs> one line of text, but its implications are massive because this is something that for 15 years, grantees have been complaining about that. I can only bid $2, you know, mesothelioma lawyer, Chicago, that goes for 1300. There's many that go in, in the tens, twenties, fives, and those have been off limits and not grantees were sort of left scrambling after these um, lower price keywords, which, by extension are likely lower value because if they were higher value, they, they likely would have been um, bid up in the free market bidding system. Now, if you set up maximized conversions bidding, you can go above $2. It helps you be more competitive. It helps you pursue um, these people making searches that are, that are more valuable to your organization. And in 
a lot of the nonprofits I talk to, they haven't been set up yet. And that should be a high priority goal if you currently have an account is get maximized conversions bidding set up. I have it set up for every single one of my clients and every single one is picking up traffic they wouldn't have otherwise gotten without it. Which means you need to define some goals and ideally more than one, right? The, that there isn't just that goal of, I want people to come to my website, um, but rather um, I need them to do something as you were pointing out and I can have them do more than one thing. Um, and I was working with a client a little while ago around um, how kind of hyper-focused they were about their program goals. And I'm like, well, but you want to communicate to a broader um, constituency of supporting those program goals, not, not the ones that will do the program, but that will support the program in the community. And you want to talk to some volunteers and you're not asking for those things, let alone measuring them. So start giving people choices about how do they want to engage with your nonprofit mission? Are they a volunteer? Are they a donor? Are they a, a just a community supporter that will spread the word socially, whatever, but you could be measuring. I don't know that there's a limit. Is there a limit on how many conversion goals you can set up? I, I think, and uh, I encourage you to fact check me on this because I'm not super confident in this answer, but I think in Google Analytics, um, the maximum is 20 goals. Oh, okay. So there is one. I just, I've never hit it because most charities are stuck yeah. on one and you try to get it expanded to, you know, three or four. <laughs> so well, I've, I've never gone to 20. I've never hit it either, which is part of why I'm not super confident in my answer. And that's, okay. that's another thing uh, that, that would likely be worth mentioning. There are a multitude of ways to set up a conversion in Google AdWords. I strongly recommend you do it by connecting it to Google Analytics and setting up a goal in Google Analytics because that is the simplest way to do it. And you could be um, really struggling with pasting uh, JavaScript code on select pages and hoping that um, it functions right and, and doing these checks. Whereas uh, just setting up goals in Google Analytics and then importing those goals in AdWords is fairly seamless. And um, that, that you, you hit a good point of, of multiple conversions. And if you do have multiple conversions, you can set up uh, dollar values and it doesn't have to be um, perfectly in line with an item's price because someone submitting a contact form isn't actually money you're getting, but it, it does have a value to you and you can build those values based on what you think is important and you can see, all right, we didn't just get 100 conversions this month, we got 20 conversions of people uh, going to four or more pages on our site. We got 10 conversions of them submitting contact forms. We got 10 com conversions of them buying artwork, etc. And that's a really useful way to, to divide um, these metrics. Right. Some of those things are more valuable than others. So kind of assigning that and understanding that, yes, we are, are getting the things that are more important. Maybe some of these other things that are a little bit less, and that's also fine and good, uh, but it does sort of bring up the, um, the, the constant in the nonprofit world of uh, trying to raise money. So uh, there are some things that Google does not want you doing with their program and putting up big uh, search banners saying give here um, has been one that I haven't successfully cracked a nut. Uh, have you found a way to just put up big search ads to say please donate right now today at this web address or is that just something that Google is like it can't be quite so 
uh, direct about um, engaging donors. Are you, are you talking about search ads or banners on the website? No, I'm talking about search uh, and trying to get donors to come in as a one of those conversion metrics. So you're trying to get people to come in with their first thing that we want them to give money. We want them to go to this web form, which is the donation form, and fill it out. So we're asking for people to donate. And at least the last couple of times I looked at this, um, anything using those types of words around donate, give, whatever, um, have been tricky. And maybe it's just because I couldn't bid high enough, but is it just that the AdWords program isn't so interested in fundraising or is it just that that was outside the reach of people until you could get into this bidding higher? Okay. Um, yeah, that's a good question. And what I think it is, is I think it's just the cost of the keywords. Okay. Uh, I, I have not had much trouble with that this year. Uh, and I think that's just because, you know, when looking at those keywords, those are often uh, more expensive than $2. I have maximized conversions bidding set up. So I show those ads. However, uh, I, this is this might uh, be a good time to segue into uh, the fact that you can't just show an ad for any type of search. So um, right. one thing I, I work with my clients a lot on is um, is ads that are relevant to a search and a landing page. And what they often want to see is they want to see all the money going towards soliciting donations. And it just doesn't work that way because Google wants to show relevant advertisements to the search. And you can test this out even knowing nothing about AdWords. You can test this out on your own by Googling used cars. And I can guarantee you that you won't see an advertisement for a ski hat because <laughs> Google requires even advertisers to uh, submit relevant information. And that's part of how they've grown so tremendously is because as a service, when you Google something, you very quickly quickly get what you're looking for. Even if it's an advertisement, it's what you're looking for. And that's because of something called the quality score, which is probably a bit too in the weeds for this conversation. But overall, it's a means of ensuring that advertisers are giving searchers relevant information. So yes, you can create donate ads, all my clients have donate ads. However, you can't expect all your traffic to be from donate ads because it's based off of people searching where to donate or similar things. And people far more frequently search for tur turquoise jewelry than they do for ways to get rid of their money. Right. I think that's a really important distinction that a lot of folks, uh, um, you know, have this fiction in their head that pe people get up and, and walk the dog and have some coffee and then sit down at their computer to figure out how they can throw $100 away before they go to work. And that's yeah. not how this goes, right? The people may want to learn about your area of impact. They may eventually be motivated to give, but they're not doing a search for how to give. That tends to be a wholly different thing. So what about the display network and how is that differentiated from the search network? Is, uh, do you get access to the display network through grants or is that still something you need to pay for? That's still something you need to pay for. So right. um, with, with grantees, the benefit is an obscene amount of money to use every day. Like it, it really is an obscene amount of money. The disadvantages is you have fewer features than AdWords and additional compliance um, concerns. And one of the features that is not available is display ads. However, and this is a great trick, is 
you can still have a paid version and a grants version. And what you can do is you can get web traffic through this, the, the free version through search ads. And then with the pater version, you can remarket uh, to those people who already have some familiarity with what you do because they visited your website uh, with those display ads as they search other web, as they go on other websites um, by uh, connecting it to your Google Analytics. So it is, it is a fascinating, and I don't want to say workaround because as far as I know, it's, it's completely um, in line with their rules. It's just a crafty way to use this incredible tool is to get web traffic and then have a better base of audience for future display ads because those display ads will go to um, someone who's visited your website has familiarity over someone who's never heard of you. So important to keep in mind, there's some things that it can't do, but uh, again, be, be ready because it it's reliant on search. That's what Google does. So if there is somebody searching in, you know, certainly Google directly, but I think that they also have search network partners as a component of um, the grants program. Is that you can also click select that as an option? Yeah, and that's, that's one of the things you've, you've got to learn in the compliance rules is you have to unselect that. Oh, thank yeah. you for clarifying. That's important. By default, uh, when you create a campaign, it says include search partners because there's other search engines that uh, have some relationship with Google that um, lets Google show ads in those. And because of, I don't know, some policies. Revenue sharing with those partners, something yeah, like they that. They don't share with those partners when the ads are free. So yep. uh, unselect those. Uh, when you build a campaign, because as default, it's selected. Well, that's uh, one of those things that, again, I'm, why I asked you to come here is that I think that this is sometimes a little tricky to understand and really important for charities to think the power of that search engine for the things that people are looking for. And again, we'll get back to keyword planning here to understand that there are some things people genuinely want to connect to your mission, want to understand about and whatnot but maybe aren't using your words, maybe aren't doing that, but it is only people that are actively searching. You are still gonna have to do all the other things that you do. Um, display advertising is one, looking at other partner networks is another. Certainly uh, promoted social posts is gonna be a, a continued tool for some period of time. Uh, those are all elements of a strategy that this can be one part of, but doesn't do absolutely everything. Absolutely. Um, and it, it does not exist in a vacuum. However, it's a very important part of a holistic marketing plan. And you hit on another point. Like, like I said with uh, display ads of using these search ads to build an audience for later display ads, you can do the same thing with social media. So um, connect your analytics to your social media account to remarket using social media from um, people who originally came in through those search ads. So lots of ways to take advantage of it. Uh, um, but again, I think just a little sometimes problematic getting it up and running. So as we're starting to run a little bit low on time, um, what, what's some advice you give to people that as they're learning more about what you do, they're, they're from a charity, they're on a board of directors, maybe they're you know, more peripherally engaged. Um, um, 
for example, we, we talked a little bit about this, uh, um, uh, I can't remember what the default uh, thing is where, where Google kind of does it for you, but the, that that's not the thing to do except if you're not going to do anything else. <laughs> so if you could, if you remember that conversation, um, what's the, um, that little default where they select some ads for you or some AdWords for you? Oh, oh that's the, right. The, I can't remember what it's called now, but the, that tool that... AdWords Express. Express, thank you, where they kind of try to direct you to Express um, and, and you have some advice about if you see that that direction or if you understand or you've heard about AdWords Express, what do you suggest to nonprofits about that? Yeah, so uh, yeah, so those are, those are those are two different questions. The first is what's my recommendation for uh, for how to use AdWords Express? The other is what's my you know recommendation for um, people at nonprofits who are just learning about this, how they get started, yeah. what they should know. So the, the recommendation about AdWords Express is, um, I normally advise against it. And the reason I do so is because um, AdWords Express is what it's advertised as. It's a simpler version of AdWords Classic. Uh, however, by simplifying it, they take away a lot of um, features and maneuvers that are super helpful. Um, and so I think it's, it's not worth it to um, have that additional limitation. Um, the example we talked about in a previous discussion is selecting your own keywords. It selects keywords for you. Um, the machine makes a best guess based on what's on your website, but I firmly believe that having a human do it is preferable because they, a human knows the nuances of language. They know more so about who you're trying to reach. However, I am not an across the board hater on it. I think it is useful in some situations and the situation I think it's useful in is if you are facing, um, suspensions uh, when you've tried it with AdWords Classic and you honestly cannot put in any more time to um, learn these compliance rules, abide by the compliance rules, you have no money to get outside help. Um, in that case, do it as a stopgap. Do it temporarily saying, um, saying this is what we're going to do so we can have an account that's not suspended and until we can get more money that's going to be the plan however you know try try to find a way to submit to get more resources for it because i really am an advocate of what classic can accomplish for a nonprofit um because express Despite its flaws, which I, I wrote about in the N10 article, which I, I believe is how you found me, right. um, it's so much better than nothing. <laughs> like, like I, could, I could point out, you know, little, little problems here and there, little things here and there that Classic does better, but it's so much better than doing nothing. And if you don't have an account, if you have a suspended account, what you're doing right now is nothing and you're missing out on this web traffic. You're missing out on this in-kind donation. You're missing out on something that 35,000 other nonprofits are taking advantage of that can get you um, people who are interested in what you do to your website. Um, the, the thing about 
you know, what, what should a high level um, person who doesn't really know the nitty gritty of digital marketing know about this right when they're starting? Uh, my recommendation is take a look at your Google Analytics because um, a lot of a lot of people are dubious of this because they don't fully understand what it can do. But when you, when you see what your Google Analytics are, you see how people are getting to your website now, uh, the channels they're taking, uh, how many people come in by social media, how many people come direct, how many people come organically. Uh, they have a pie chart for that. Um, doesn't know all the nitty gritty of digital marketing who uh, is just starting to learn this, is wondering whether it's good for your nonprofit, I strongly recommend you take a look at your Google Analytics data because in that Google Analytics data, you'll see how people are coming to your site currently. You'll see um, how many people come through social media, who come directly, who come organically. And once uh, Google Grants is added to the mix, you will see um, the type of impact it can have on website visitors. And so this is um, can be seen in a pie chart of who, how they are getting to your site. And you can also take a look at a chart of new versus returning visitors. And you will see the immense impact this tool has in getting new people to your site, people who are making searches of something relevant to what you do, um, not exactly your name and city. And you will understand how much of an impact it can make in terms of reaching new people who otherwise wouldn't get there. There are so many more things that I wish we had time to talk about and some of it really deep in the weeds, but for this eye-opening conversation though about the value that's on the table there, the, I really appreciate you taking the time to help people understand that sure there's some uh, triggers there that you want to be aware of and and I think you know, I would again urge the idea of using some professional help to at least get started, if not kind of manage it forward. But, but to not whatever choice the nonprofit makes to to not just leave those dollars on the table to really think about how you can be participating. Uh, when I just assume many, many more were until we started digging into this a little bit more and seeing there's so many that are are missing that chance. So, um, we do need to wrap up though. So, uh, Michael, what's the best way that people can um, learn more about your work and stay in touch with you? Yeah, you can go to, the best way is going to my website, uh, rascodigitalmarketing.com, and rasco is spelled R-A-S-K-O, not C-O, and there you will see um, a lot of the posts I've made about uh, using this tool, as well as a contact form. You, I encourage you to submit a contact form, even if you're unsure, uh, we can set up a call for me to teach you more on this stuff. Um, I'm also going to be presenting at the upcoming End Time Conference. So as you said, you, you heard of me through a blog post that I do with that organization. They have a big annual conference, a nonprofit technology conference this year. It's in Portland in mid-March. Uh, I'm going to be presenting with Jason King. And, um, you know, this is, this is still a little TBD because Jason just emailed me this morning, but um, someone from the Google ad grants team is interested in, in joining our presentation. So it also could be an opportunity to learn from someone who is, you know, part of the organizing body of this tool. 
Good. Well, and I encourage everybody to, um, like I said, we'll have a link to the post in the show notes about this that kind of asked, triggered my request for you to join me in this uh, podcast, because I thought that was a really great, concise beginning part of the conversation. Uh, I encourage everybody, don't let it be the end. Take advantage of this tool. It's it's really an important one. So uh, Michael Rasco, owner of Rasco Digital Marketing, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Steve. 